What is good, Pegasus Nation, and welcome back to another episode of the Pegasus Sports Zone. I am your host, Carlos Fierro. I would normally have my co-host Armando here with me, but he is not here with us this week. And uh, we are trying something different. So there will be weeks that I will have that I will be out and Armando will be doing the show by himself. There will be weeks like 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 today. There will be days like today that he's out and I'm doing the show. And then obviously there will be more more weeks that we're both doing the show together. It's just we're working on a lot of stuff outside of Pegasus and inside of Pegasus. Some cool stuff are going down. Like we just had an interview in the Let's Talk Hoops um, show with, with our good friend Hawk. So make sure you go check that out. The, the, I'm pretty sure the link is in our description. Link is in our bio of our Instagram, which, by the way, our Instagram is at Pegasus underscore... No, at Pegasus underscore pod, yes. So yeah, but today we've got a great show nonetheless. I will be giving my thoughts on the joint practice fight between the Bengals and the Rams. I'll be previewing this the NFL season. I'll be talking college football. We'll be talking this upcoming Formula One race this weekend in Belgium. I'll be giving you my teams to watch, my winners. I'll talk about the Chet Holmgren situation, the Russell Westbrook situation. We're, we're going to get into a lot of things and obviously a lot of hot takes because that is what we do here. So we've got a lot to cover but we are going to start with this. There, I'm going to... Obviously, NBA offseason has been insane. We've covered it throughout the summer. We've had free agency specials. We've talked about KD potentially getting traded. I'm going to give you an update on that later on in the show. But I was thinking to open up the show, I would give you one trade, in my opinion, one trade for every NBA team that... One trade every NBA team should do before the start of training camp. Because, like, I think each team has a trade that they could could do. They, there's, a, there's at least one trade for every team that they should, could do to make them better. And I am very looking, I'm very excited for that one. So let's get started with the Atlanta Hawks. This this trade involves the Atlanta Hawks getting Kelly Oubre, uh, James Bouganite, and a 2023 first-round pick lottery protected via Denver, and they give up Clint Capella. I mean, yeah, I think if you could get Kelly Oubre for Clint Capella, you can get a first-round pick out of Charlotte. It's not a bad deal. Look, the Hawks don't need to trade Capella, but it, it could help balance the roster. I'm going to be honest, the Hawks look good. They The group looks good at guard and up front, but the wing spot still runs a little shallow. I don't think they have a really dominant small forward. I think DeAndre Hunter has potential. I don't, I don't think you're going to play Kevin Herter or Bogdan Bogdanovich at that position. And you just lost Danilo Gallinari. You're probably gonna. I think if I do not, I think this trade makes sense. 
you don't need to get um you don't need to go out and get another center because I do think I'm going to be honest and this is the first hot take of the episode I think Onyeka and Kongu if they can develop him could be better than Clint Capella and I think it's a good move I think you can get last year's number 11 pick and a first round and and the first rounder on wild cards but Atlanta might need more long term assets I do think you need long term assets if you're Atlanta right now and look, Capella's a good player. I think the, but I think the Hawks still have the Onyek. But look, you have John Collins and Onyek and Kongu. You can play small ball. It's like I don't think they'd even miss Capella. So yeah, I I I definitely think that's the deal. Now, in terms of Boston, let's move on and get to Boston. This trade is easy. Boston will get Kenyon Martin in the 2024 second round pick. And Houston will get Peyton Pritchard. Now, I know Boston fans are going to are already yelling at me like, there's no fucking way we're going to give up Peyton Pritchard, this shit, this shit. Now, look, there's, an, there's a universe in which Boston could make great use of Peyton's, of Pritchard's sharpshooting sharp and sound decision making. But it doesn't seem like we're living in it. We saw it in the finals. They never, they, especially in the playoffs, we saw it throughout the playoffs. Boston doesn't know how to utilize Peyton Pritchard. We saw it a lot in that Miami series. It had almost came back and cost them. We saw it. That's honestly one of the big things that I think that was a big issue in the Golden State series that they didn't have enough shooters out there. And they had Peyton Pritchard who could knock down the threes, but they were never really giving him that confidence or that that really they never gave him the green light to like just shoot it shoot the lights out and let's see what you can actually do like he faces a barricade to get to the floor with Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon he's not going to get minutes with Brogdon with Smart with um and Derek White like in our reality, Boston could make better use of Martin, who wanted a way out. Like I think, look, now let's get let's be honest. Kenyon Martin would not won't be guaranteed to get minutes with the Celtics, but his athleticism and upside could allow him to to really crave a niche in this front court as a high energy finisher. If they can literally just. Get consistency out of him. And get him to be a consistent outside shooter. Like, he can do it. I think they can. I think that's a good deal for Boston. So now, let us get into what I think Brooklyn should do. Who should Brooklyn trade for? It's a player that if you've listened to the show, it's a player that me and Armand are very high on. One of my favorite centers in the league. I think Brooklyn, this is the potential trade. Brooklyn receives Miles Turner. Indiana gets Joe Harris. They run sharp and a 2023 first round pick via Houston or Philadelphia. I think Brooklyn's doomsday scenario of being forced to trade Kevin Durant is off. KD's going to stay. We're going to get more into that later. 
But yeah. This was surely always the I think look. Obviously they're not gonna if they don't now that they're not gonna trade KD, I think now it's about getting the pieces to win. I think Miles Turner really could be a better fit in Brooklyn than um than Joe Harris. It's really it's what it is, man. Like this would I think Nicholas Claxon being he could be the best backup center in the league. Because you don't have to I don't think Claxon is a starter caliber center. And look, you could literally get a two time blocks champion with a reliable outside shot. Like Miles Turner has two blocking titles. He's led the leagues in blocks two times in his career. He he can stretch the floor for guys like Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons is going to play, you need guys that can really stretch the floor and allow Ben Simmons to be the best version of himself. Allow Kevin Durant to be the best version of himself. Allow Kyrie to somehow thrive if he stays. Miles Turner is that guy. He really is that guy. Alright, next team is the Charlotte Hornets. I think the one guy that they should trade for is Jacob Puttle. And look, you're going to... I would say give up PJ Washington, Kyle Jones in a second. I think... Look, they obviously they drafted Mark Williams, the seven-footer. I think Charlotte's question at the five spot remains very much unanswered. I think if you can really get a trade for a proven contributor like Portal, that could finally give this position some clarity. Having them anchor their 22nd ranked defense could really give that the Hornets upward mobility at that end. Because, like, obviously I believe they still have Montrez here, but I don't think Montrez is still that caliber. He can't do a lot, man. And I, I know... P.J. Washington is a fan favorite in Charlotte. I'm a huge fan of P.J. Washington. I've always been, and I've said that on the show. I just think it's time for them to really see what they've done and just trade him. I think P.J. Washington under Greg Popovich would thrive. because, And then he would also have the opportunity to work with Tim Duncan in that coaching staff. That's a good, that's a very great career investment for the, for the kid. So, yeah. All right, let's talk Chicago. What moves should the Bulls make? Isaac Okoro. I think Isaac Okoro should be their top priority. Kobe White and a sec- and two second-round picks should get that deal done. Here is why. Let's be honest. If we look at the guard guards positions that Chicago has, Lonzo, Caruso, uh, Zach Levine, you've got A.O. Duzman, like... I don't think Kobe White's going to get the playing time. I think he would definitely get playing time. I think he's a starter caliber. I think he's a starter day one if he goes to Cleveland. I think Isaac Okoro brings defensive animosity to that team. If you, you could literally see the closeout lineup with Isaac Okoro and Caruso both on the floor at the same time. That defense with Caruso and Okoro on that team... Your defense gets 10 times better if you're Chicago. 
Like, the defense completely fell apart between October and December in Chicago. Like, Chicago went 23-10 and 10 and had the association's 10 best, 10th best defense from that point forward. Look, they had the 10th best defense in December. From that point forward, the Bulls were just 23-26 and 26 and went to the 27th in defensive efficiency. The, from December to the end of the season, they drastically looked like the worst defense. They looked like one of the worst defensive teams in the league. You saw it in the playoffs. Like, you can't ex- expect DeMar and Zach Levine to win every game being a shootout. You have to play defense. Defense wins championships at the end of the day. And Chicago looked like a serious threat at the beginning of the year. And then their defense fell apart in those December, like October and December. Like, you can't do that, man. Like, you have to have consistent defense to be a, to be a true contender. I think getting Isaac Okoro to that team really does get that for this team. All right, now, if Cleveland... Now, let's say Isaac Coral leaves Cleveland. What does Cleveland do? I think they do a sign-and-trade for Colin Sexton to go to the Mavs. What do I think they should ask for? Reggie Bullock and a future first-round pick. I know. I know this, on paper, sounds like a terrible deal if you're Cleveland. But look... They're not going to... Cleveland's not going to resign Sexton. The Mavericks, who never really replaced Jalen Brunson, have eyeballed Sexton. I... And look, I know Reggie Bullock would... Here's the thing. He would give the Cavs the 3 and D wing they need to balance their defense-heavy roster. Plus, they're getting a first-round pick. I think it's the best deal they're going to get. I don't think they're going to get anything else. From Dallas, so I think they should take it. Now, what should Dallas do? If, besides getting Colin Sexton, I think they should also go after Kemba Walker. Send him to Detroit for Dwight Powell and a a 2025 second-round pick. Look, if the Mavericks aren't in the point guard market yet, they should be. They just lost Jalen Brunson for nothing. And look, I think if you could see a backcourt, you could actually literally have Colin Sexton and Kemba Walker as your as your backup and starter point guard alongside Luca, alongside Tim Hardaway Jr. That's a good team, man. Like these guys know. I think really, if you can get a true consistent point guard, this team could win. They could be contenders, serious contenders. So yeah, I definitely think that's what they should do. Now, in terms of Denver, I think Jared Vanderbilt for Peyton Watson is. I think Vanderbilt is one of the most underrated players in the league. I think you should, you could definitely see him getting, getting a, getting a lot of. I think he would be really good for Denver to be that defender alongside Jokic. And he'll he'll be a good player. Like the Nuggets face the same crunch, so swapping him out for a plug and play contributor. That's what Vanderbilt would be. A plug and play. You can plug him in at any time and he will play, so 
Good. Now the Detroit Pistons. I think this is Detroit needing to make a move. I think Danny Green, you get Danny Green, a second round pick, two second pick, two second round picks for Alec Brooks. Danny Green is still one of the best shooters in the league. He's still a very highly underrated player. And I think you can really get a good shooter in Detroit to play alongside Cade Cunningham, to play alongside, I believe, Jaden Ivey is who they drafted. I I like it. Like, you can get Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran. You can see... Like, this is a young core. You have a young team with Jaden Ivey, Duran, Cunningham, Sadiq Bey. Like... You have a solid foundation for a future. If you can get veterans like Danny Green to come in here and, and mentor these young guys and show them how it's done, that'd be a really smart move. All right, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors, the reigning champions, one of mine and Armando's favorite team. What should the Warriors do? I think one guy that I would... This is going to get very, very hot. The Warriors should trade Jordan Poole and James Wiseman. I know, I know, I know it's a hot take. Especially because they would be trading them for Mason Plumlee and Boogie Knight. And two future first round picks to Charlotte. Here's why. At some point between now and next summer, the Warriors will face a major financial crunch. They already have a massive payroll for 2023-2024. And that's without deals in place for the upcoming free agents, Poor Restricted, and Andrew Wiggins. I think it's possible Golden State simply opts to pay everyone in stomachs another very massive tax bill. Or the franchise could literally start exploring some escape values if the dubs opt for the la- for the later for the latter. That could put pull on the chopping block and in deals that also part that could also they'd also part with the promising but raw Wiseman. I think look, I don't think it's very likely that it happens, but I think it's an option. I think if Golden State doesn't want to um doesn't want to um to get into financial trouble, they would start looking at it. and I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if they already are contacting teams about them. So it's definitely a cap saving move, but I don't know, we'll wait and see. The Houston Rockets. I think Houston's number one target should be Donovan Mitchell, and here's the thing. I don't think people are talking about how good of a package um, Houston could put out for Donovan Mitchell. They could give up Eric Gordon, Kevin Porter Jr., Kenyon Martin, Usman Gurba, a 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 first-round, 2026, and 2028. You could throw out four first-rounders, Kevin Porter, Eric Gordon, and Kenyon Martin. You could literally throw them a great package. And I think, look, Jalen Green and Donovan Mitchell... Is a hell of a team right there. I think Utah would look at it. I think this is a package that Utah 
would actually look at and say, holy shit, we might actually accept that. It's a smart move. It all depends on like what Houston wants to do. I think it's a smart move for both sides. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Indiana. The Indiana Pacers. I still believe... I now want to talk about the Miles Turner deal. I think Miles Turner to Brooklyn, the same exact deal that we said for Brooklyn. So I now wanted to look at it from the Indiana side. They'd be getting Joe Harris, Cam Thomas, and... 2027 first round pick. I think the reason this is smart. If the Pacers aren't keen on playing him between now and next paying him. Here's the thing. They they would have to pay him between now and next summer. He's very kind of injury prone. So I think Indiana is going to trade him. I wouldn't be I think they will trade him. And I think look, sending him to Brooklyn, you're going to get Joe Harris. It's it's a good deal. I think it makes sense because now you get sharp shoot, you get you're sending a shooter and a really good defender in Turner and you're getting another shooter and a really good defender. It makes I think a lot of sense. So yeah, now let's get into the Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers, I think Kenyon Martin. If you take Jason uh, Princeton and a 2023 second round pick, that should get you. Why now? Why would this make sense for the Clippers? I think Kenyon Martin is one of more un- he's the mo- he's one of the best players on that Rockets team. And I think if you put him on any true contender, he would be one of the best players. On that team. I think if you put him on the Clippers. He's one of the best players on the Clippers. By far. So he's 21. He's explosive. He's powerful. He's athletic. And he's literally has a potential overload. He can, he has so much potential to be great. And I think under Ty Lu, He would thrive in that system. I I I think... It's really, really a smart move. How about the Lakers? Now, the Lakers are another team. And I have said this trade. This is a trade that I said months ago on the show with Armand. I still believe this is the one trade they should do. Turner and Heald for Westbrook and three first and two first round picks. They just got Patrick Beverly. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Pat Bev trade later on. This would be the smartest move. You're going to get Buddy Heald. You're going to get Miles Turner. And I still think getting Turner and Buddy Heald is better than getting Kyrie Irving. Because you know Turner and Buddy Heald are going to show up. I think this deal makes sense. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it happens before training camp. Because I promise you, Russell Westbrook... I'm going to go bold here and I'm going to say Russell Westbrook is traded before the start of the preseason. So that is the deal. Memphis. What deal should Memphis do? I think Josh Richardson for Danny Green and a couple picks makes sense because I think Josh Richardson is a better player than Danny Green and I think he fits 
Memphis better than what Danny Green ever does. So I definitely think uh, Josh Richardson for Danny Green is a smart move. Let's talk about my Miami Heat. And a deal that I would like to be made. And this is something that is very interesting. And I'm very keen on this. I'm a, I'm a fan of this player. I think the Heat should trade for Harrison Barnes. You can give up Duncan... Duncan Robinson, you could. We would have to give up jo- Jokic. I mean Jovic, and Omar Yuto seven, and a first round pick. I think yes, on paper it looks like it's a little much. But you're getting Harrison Barnes, who can really be that ba- that great backup for Jimmy Butler, or who could be that really strong power forward who can come and shoot lights out. He could be back to Golden State, Harrison Barnes. Like, we need to, I, I think it's an intro, it's a move that Pat Riley should be looking at making. Definitely. Now Milwaukee. Milwaukee, this is a deal that I want to see. Bojan Bogdanovich for George Hill, a first round pick, and Brooke Lopez. I think Bojan, Bogdan, Bojan Bogdanovich is one of those guys that would help very he would be very good on that team he would be very good on that bucks team to stretch the floor for giannis for chris middleton you could see him being that really good player i want to see that deal i think it's a smart move minnesota they just traded patrick beverly away for tht they got they have Rudy Gobert, obviously. But what if they continue and they go after Mike Conley? You get Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson for a second-round pick in and D'Angelo Russell. Mike Conley knows how to play, play with uh, Gobert. Jordan Clarkson brings that crazy, really good off-the-bench guy. There was a season, like, I think it was... Two seasons, like two years ago, when there was conversations, people were having conversations about six man of the year for Jordan Clarkson. So you could really get two good guys. And let's be honest, how much more can D'Angelo Russell really provide for that team? Not a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him before training camp. All right, let's get into New Orleans. Who's the player I think they should trade? For TJ McConnell, you can get Kiara Lewis out of there and Garrett Temple. McConnell really can give you that, like, off the bench or starting point guard to really help facilitate for Zion, Ingram, and McCollum. That's the one thing you saw during the uh, Phoenix series that I think a player with TJ McConnell on that team would have helped a lot. It definitely would have helped the Pelicans a ton. Okay. How about New York? I think Donovan Mitchell. Now, what is the trade package that I think New York has and why do I think Mitchell would fit so good in New York? Look, Evan Fournier, Obi Toppin, Emilio Quickly. A one, two, three, four, 
I think four to five first round picks plus those players get you Donovan Mitchell. And there's rumors and reports that they want to include RJ Barrett in those trades. I think you could actually make that trade without including RJ. I think Donovan Mitchell will make New York so much better. Because look, you have Julius Randle. You have Derrick Rose still on that team. RJ's there. You add Donovan Mitchell. I think that's a hell of a team. It's a really hell of a team. I think Donovan Mitchell's best offer is to New York. So yeah. Let's talk about OKC. Chet Holmgren's injury just happened. We're going to dive more into that. But look, trade Derek Favors, Darius Baisley, Theo Mazinon, and a first for Gary Trent to Toronto. I think Gary Trent, alongside Shea, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, alongside uh, all those other guys, Lou Dort and stuff, that would be really good. Gary Trent and Lou Dort would be such a dangerous team in OKC. They would make a great duo. And I really like Gary Trent. I think people don't talk about him as much as they should. And I definitely think he's like one of the more underrated players. He was one of the best players this season in Toronto. And he helped them. He was really key on that in that series against Philadelphia. I will say that. Orlando. Guess what? Orlando is another team that is in the that should be looking at Donovan Mitchell and have a package for him. Jonathan Isaac, Jaden Suggs, Terrence Ross, a top, a one, two, three first rounders. It's that's a great deal if you're Utah. Jonathan Isaac is still one of the best defenders in the league when healthy. I think Jaden Suggs can be a superstar, and you're getting an experienced veteran in Terrence Ross. For what you're giving up Donovan Mitchell, I think that's a great deal. Plus, you're getting a ton of picks, so. I definitely think that is it. Now, how about Philadelphia? What moves should the Sixers make? I think they have to get rid of Matisse Thybul. So I think Matisse Thybul for Corey Joseph and two first, two second round picks is great. Corey Joseph could really help that team. I think Corey Joseph could play make tremendously for Embiid and Harden, take pressure off of Harden. And Tyrese Maxey. And I don't think Matisse Thybul is going to grow anymore in that Sixers system. So now Phoenix. I think Terrence Ross. You take you get a second round pick in Terrence Ross for Landry Shamit. Terrence Ross is going to a huge upgrade over Landry Shamit. You know what he can bring you. It's a big deal. It's a smart move. If you are the Orlando Magic. To get Landry Shamit as well. So I like that deal. Let's talk about Portland. Kendrick Williams. But he can't be traded until January 16th. So I think Keon Johnson in a second pick for Kendrick Williams. Kendrick Williams would give you that sharpshoot. That good shooter off the bench for Portland. And I think it's just a smart move. Alright we're getting there. Sacramento. Should trade for Andrew Wiggins. I think Sacramento is going to be one of those teams. Like I said earlier, they could be looking to get rid of Wiggins so they don't have to pay him. You get Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, who can't be traded until after August 30th, and a future first-round pick. 
here's the thing. The kings are going for it always. Now, what that is isn't always certain. These guys haven't... Like, you... you Right now, you shouldn't be in a rebuilding mode if you're Sacramento. You haven't made the playoffs since 2006. You, have, you haven't been relevant in quite some time. Before the Aaron Fox, I can't tell you a single player. Like, all your best players ended up leaving you. De- DeMarcus Cousins was better in, Sacramento, in, in New Orleans and Sacramento. So, I think if you can get Andrew Wiggins, you have Sabonis, you have, um, you have De'Aaron Fox... It's it's a big move, man. It's a smart move. You guys have to start building, trying to make um, the playoffs. San Antonio should go after Mason Plumlee, P.J. Washington. Like we said, it's the same deal. Now, I'm going to talk about this from the San Antonio side. P.J. Washington is that center piece. I think Mason Plumlee... Great center. You have your replacement for Jacob Putnam right there. Better. But P.J. Washington under Greg Popovich could be such a huge step. And this could be a huge step in the right direction for San Antonio to be the San Antonio Spurs of old. Now, the Toronto Raptors are another team that should be interested in Miles Turner. I think you can get rid of Cambridge Burke, Birch, McCoy, Malike, Finn, and OG Anabui for Turner, McConnell, and two, and a first. I think Miles Turner, with Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, and Pascal Siakam, that would make the Raptors contenders. If you can get Miles Turner and keep Scotty Barnes, keep Van Vliet, keep Gary Trent, have Siakam, and add TJ McConnell off the bench... You are an instant championship contender. <sighs> like, you would be an instant championship contender. Utah. I believe this should be the package that Utah asks for the Knicks. Obviously, I told you what the Knicks could offer. This should be the Utah Jazz counteroffer. Obi Coppin, Quinn Grimes, Cam Reddish, Derek Rose. One... Two, three, four first-round picks. I think Utah will ask for Derrick Rose because I think they still want something. They're going to trade Mitchell. I think this is the best package. New York is that team to trade him for, to trade him with. So watch out for New York in this Donovan Mitchell saga. All right. we've Now, last but not least, Washington. I think Washington should go after... John Collins and Justin Holiday, and look, you can offer Kuzma, Will Barton, Rui Hachimura a second round, and then two seconds. That's a good deal. That's a really that's a better deal than I think Collins is actually worth. That's overpaying for John Collins. I like that deal. I think John Collins and Bradley Beal would fit better than John Collins and Kyle. I mean, than uh, Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma. So those are. One trade I think every team should have made. If you disagree with me, DM us on Instagram at Pegasus underscore pod. At us on Twitter. Our Twitter is at Pegasus underscore English. We also have a Spanish one for all you 
for all of our soccer and Latin American fans. Nuestro Twitter para, en español es Pegasus underscore Español. That is our English and Spanish Twitter. All right. We are now going to move on. And we are now going to talk some racing. Because the Belgium, the Belgian Grand Prix is this Sunday. Practices happened earlier today. Qualifyings are tomorrow. And I am very excited for this. It's been a crazy summer window. Going to do an episode later on in the month explaining everything that happened, all the rumors. I might have a special guest for that show. I don't know. We're still figuring out. So that would be truly interesting. But now I want to I want to talk about the Belgian Grand Prix. I'm going to give you my predictions, my winners, and my teams to watch based on what I saw in practice today and based on what I've seen all season. I've watched every single race. I haven't missed any. I've covered them concisely. So, But let me give you a quick rounddown of what happened over the summer break. Daniel Ricciardo confirmed he's leaving McLaren at the end of 2022. Oscar Priya... Uh, like we we know Oscar from uh Oscar's going to take a seat. It's like a crazy summer window. Sebastian Vettel's going to retire. Fernando Fernando Alonso being declared as his replacement. So it is a lot. So let us definitely get into it because heading into it, look, Max Max Verstappen would be determined. Here's something like Max Verstappen's going to be determined to tighten his grip on the driver standing from the world from the word go. He is going to be hungry. I have a we're going to get into this later with my predictions. There's a chance that we see the best version of Max Verstappen out there this weekend because now he is laser focused on that championship. He he sees what is happening with outside in in the other teams but right now he is so, his sole focus has to be on literally being perfect from here on out because let's be honest he has a yeah he has a good lead but if ferrari ferrari has a shot i don't think this i don't think the world title is over i don't think the championship race is over for ferrari Unless they screw up this weekend. If they somehow fuck it up this weekend and lose, I do believe this is a must-win race for Ferrari. I think heading into Belgium, it's a must-win race for Ferrari. Because if you don't, and Ma- and you let Max win, then yes, I think it's over. I think the championship is fucking won. It's done for Ferrari. So I think there's a lot of pressure right now on Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. I think Leclerc right now has the pressure of the has the world on his shoulders right now. I think look he has he has an 80 point lead and will be determined to tick that over the triple digits in the coming weeks to further command his place at the top. Look, Ferrari they can. They need to figure shit out. They had all summer, 
all eyes are going to be on them tomorrow and Sunday to see if because they've self-sabotaged a lot. If you go back to what happened in Hungary, that was the worst strategy I have seen from an F1 team ever. You are looking at a Ferrari team that is constantly self-sabotaging themselves. And look, Mercedes, here's the thing. Max can't get comfortable. Mercedes are looking up. Mercedes are actually looking good. Com- like, from what we saw at the beginning of the season, where they had all the struggles, Lewis Hamilton didn't look the same. This la- these last couple of races, I think, I think you could really look at, from, my, from the Miami Grand Prix to now, we have seen a different... Mercedes, you're looking at Lewis Hamilton, who is driving some of the best, he is literally driving some of the best races he's ever done. You're looking at George Russell, who is amazing. I've talked about him on the show. I've said that he's going to be a future number one driver. Man, he's incredible. Mercedes is looking good. So now, let's get... Our Belgium Grand Prix predictions. Alright. Number one. I'm going to be honest. Mercedes will be much, much closer to the front. Like, they have not... Obviously, they have not enjoyed the season they hoped for. But a new technical director... I think a new directive centered around floors could... Hamilton has already drastically improved in recent weeks with five consecutive podiums to his name. I think he's going to add a sixth podium. And I think if Max, if something happens to Max and he's not great this week, and if Ferrari continues to sabotage, there's a shot that actually, there's a shot that we see Lewis Hamilton win his first race of the year this season. I'm going to I'm going to be honest here. This is a prediction that I don't think I think a lot of you are going to agree with. I think there's going to be contact between McLaren and Alpine and Alpine. Should be a first. I think both teams are literally scrapping for P4 in the team standings and bad blood is blo- is boiling between them given what is the whole Oscar Piazzi saga. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a collision early in the race between an Alpine and uh, and a McLaren. Here's a bold, bold prediction. I say there's two Haas in the top 10. Because if you look at what Haas, they love a high-speed corner. So Belgium should suit them well. They've upgraded their car further and can really expect... I think they could have a solid run in this in this circuit. They, they added threat of... The added threat of rain could turn qualifying into a circus and that could also see Haas spring a surprise. Uh, they could be a surprise. Like, look, they have... Here's the thing. Haas has two... Really good drivers in Max, in Mac, Mick Schumacher, and Kevin Magnussen. They've got both big drives in them. If they keep their focus, they should good well. All right, so let's get into the main question. 
who will win the Belgium Grand Prix? Here's the thing. Logic, logically, it should be Max. It should be Max Verstappen. He will win every race for... He should win every race for the remainder of the season. But here's the thing. Formula One isn't always logical. This simply will not happen. I don't think Max wins tomorrow. Verstappen is obviously the clear favorite for this for the title, but he can't afford any major crashes, spinouts, or DNFs. If the rain does does pour this weekend, he will be reluctant to open the ta- the taps and give it everything. Here's the thing. He is at this point. Red Bull has everything to lose, so Max can't. So if it rains, if it starts raining, he's going to be scared to open the the uh to go give it at all because if he crashes and does not finish, it's a huge problem. So he has everything to lose. You know someone who has nothing to lose right now? Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton on the other end has little to lose. And he's literally, his car is improving. He's driving at a crazy good pace. Ferrari is literally sabotaging themselves. Like, it is insane. It is not, it's crazy, man. It's, they are struggling. Ferrari is struggling terribly. And they really are struggling right now. So, I'm going to go bold. And really bold. Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton will win the Belgium Grand Prix. It is crazy to say that. I definitely see that being a huge prediction. Now, how can you watch the Belgium Grand Prix? Uh, if you're in the US, I believe ESPN has it. In the UK, Sky Sports. And I don't know. So, yeah. Now, that is the Formula One side. Man, it's insane. So, yeah, I think... And look, I know it sounds crazy to, for me to say that Mercedes is going to win. But look... It's not crazy to think. You know what Mercedes can do. Hamilton's been racing very, very well the last couple weeks. The car is improving. So, like, you have a lot of things. And I mean, like, I will say this. I think it's cra- I I'm excited to watch it. I think this might this is going to go down as potentially one of the best races of the year and I'm super excited. All right, let's move on to getting into um the soccer portion of the video, because we've got a lot to talk about on the soccer side, but I created this, I have this thing, we're going to play a little game here called Last Minute Shopping. 
I'm going to tell you the top 20 players who still move this summer. And I'm going to be honest, I will also tell you where I think they could go. Alright, let's start in the Premier League. With Hakimi Zajic from Chelsea. He's a winger. He's an attacking midfield winger. He's 29 and he's valued at 28 million. I think he's going to end up going. I'm going to go bold here. I think he'll go to Valencia. I think Valencia should definitely could definitely sweep him up. Valencia's start to the season. They need a really good winger who can come in here. And I think Obviously, they have Jonas Musa from the U.S., but I I think this would be a good move. Anthony Gordon, 21. He's valued at 20 million. And and he's a winger. I think we could see him actually... I think he stays in Everton because I don't see any team right now really willing to spend that much money on him. And it's, it's kind of... I don't I think Everton is where he stays. So now let's talk about Wesley Fofan, the center back from Leicester City. He's 21, he valued at 40 million. I'm gonna be honest here. I think he would be perfect in Ajax. I think he would be a really good player to develop in that Ajax team. And for 40 million, it's a steal. Nebi Ketan from Liverpool. Valued at 25 million. He's a midfielder. He's 27. I think, honestly, I think Bayern Munich could look into him. I think Sadio Mane could honestly say, hey, this guy, can we go after him? And I think he'd be really good in Bayern. I think he would be really well because he knows how to link up with Sadio Mane. So... I definitely like to see that. Bernardo Silva. 28 possession attacking midfielder. 80 million, but they... I'm going to be honest. Armand's not going to like this, but I don't think he goes to Barca. I think he stays in City because I don't think... Really, I don't think Barca's... I don't think he's good enough to be at Barcelona. I don't think he's a good enough fit at Barca. Because I, I honestly think De Jong, if he stays, man, De Jong's a better player than Bernardo Silva, in my opinion. I think Bernardo Silva is going to stay in Man City. So I definitely think it's not crazy to think that he won't leave. Now, the big name... Cristiano Ronaldo for Manchester United, valued at around 30 million. He's 37. So, obviously, I know a lot of you have been wanting to know my thoughts on where Cristiano Ronaldo is going to go and what I think Cristiano will do. We did something similar. We played this something similar to this game at the beginning of the transfer market with Armand. We told you where each guy's going to go. I would have. I said I would have loved Ronaldo in Real Madrid again. I would still love it. I doubt it's going to happen. I don't think he leaves. I think more than likely he's going to stay in United and he's going to maybe leave next summer. 
if he were to leave, I think there's really two teams that I could see, and that is Sporting, uh, Sporting Club from Portugal, his homegrown team. And in terms of maybe big competitive teams, I think Napoli is the only team I see that could actually give him a shot in a major league. Like, I definitely think that is a Ronaldo... I don't think... I think Ronaldo more than likely will stay in Man United. So that is my thoughts on the Cristiano Ronaldo situation. Obviously, you saw what Manchester United did with bringing in Casemiro. They want to. They now want to bring in Anthony from Ajax, the Brazilian. They were, they're willing to pay a hundred million. They're they're still very interested in De Jong. So Manchester United is making moves to try to keep Ronaldo. I think they're going to succeed. I don't think Ronaldo leaves, and I overall think Cristiano Ronaldo will probably stay. Now, one of the biggest stories out of La Liga, let's get into Pierre Ambrick Abamuyang from Barcelona. He's a forward, valued at around 15 million. I'm going to be honest, I think he goes to Chelsea. This is something Armand and I have discussed a lot on the show about the potential of Abamuyang going to Chelsea. I think he'd be perfect in Chelsea with a with a Pulisic, Sterling, Mason Mount. That Chelsea team is good. They're, they're, it's a rocky start of the season. Last week losing at Leeds. I think they're missing a, that true number nine. They lost Timo Werner to Leipzig. They lost Roman Lukaku to uh to Inter Milan. And I genuinely think you have to see Mbama Yang um Aubameyang really go be that number nine. I think he is that great number nine. And I think he's an underrated number nine. You saw him score. I believe it was the Rayo Vallecano game that he scored. You saw it. Yeah, no, it wasn't the Rayo game. It was one of the games that I saw Barca play that they scored. And I I really do think Aubameyang is a great player. Now let's talk about his teammate, Frankie Jujon. He's valued at around 80 million. He's a midfielder and he's 25. He's got links to a lot of teams. Bayern, Chelsea, Manchester United. Potentially staying at Barca but with a wage cut. Man, it's... For me... I believe... I believe he stays at Barca. I think he does reduce his salary. And I think he stays in Barcelona. Because I don't think Manchester United gets him. And look, Chelsea could be interesting to see him. But I think more than likely, we will see him in Barca. We will still see him in Barca. I think he he wants to stay. Barca wants to keep him. I think it makes the most sense for him to to stay there. Let's talk about Alexander Isak. New player and I have... He is now a West Ham player. Not a West Ham. Newcastle player. I want to give you guys my thoughts on that. I think it was like 70 million or something that they paid for him. Man. 
Alexander Isak is going to be huge. He's 23. He's a striker. I think he's going to be one of the best players on that team. I definitely think... Uh, I definitely think that um, he's going to look really well with Newcastle. And I'm very excited to see how it happens. Now let's get into the Serie A. Rafael Leol, who's valued around 70 million. He's 23. He's Portuguese. Winger, forward. Rafael Leol. Leo. Man, I'm going to be honest. I think PSG. I think he goes to Paris. I think PSG was... I don't know if they're interested in him. But I think this... He has... He's the type of player that reminds me of what PSG is. Playing style. Creative. Fast. Strong. And like crazy good shot power. So I think he goes there. Now in terms of Denny's... Uh, I believe, what is that? Denis Sakara from Juventus, 25. He's a midfielder, 27 million. I think he goes to... I think RB Leipzig will pick him up. I think Leipzig needs a good, a really good playmaking midfielder. I think that is what uh, Zakara is. Either Leipzig or I could see Sevilla in Spain. I could see Sevilla really looking at him as that guy who needs um who could really save that team because I think that team really could be I think you definitely could be looking at like ridiculously good a good team I definitely like the... Uh, I think Zach... Or I'm actually... So here's the three teams. I have three teams that he could go to. And that is... Sevilla, Leipzig, or I think... And I wouldn't be surprised if this happens. Bayern Leverkusen. I think Leverkusen would be definitely interested in him. And I definitely would like to see that move. Now, Nicolo Z- um, Zanello. From Roma. He's a 23-year-old forward attacking midfielder. I believe they are valuing him at 33 million. I think he could be someone on... um, I think Porto. I think Porto is definitely a team to look out for when it comes to him. Because if you look at what he brings as that attacking midfielder... He really is that really sound uh, attacking midfielder. You can play him at, as a number 10. He could really be that guy. And who knows? Maybe you could maybe actually try to run him out at like a left wing or a right wing. And I think, I think yeah, Porto's a really good team for him. Obviously, I, I, I've heard the Leipzig rumors. I don't think Leipzig is where he should go. I don't think it's where he wants to go. Uh, I think, yeah, he could definitely be a player um, who could go there. Obviously, Juventus and Tottenham were uh, were linked to him earlier in the summer. reason I don't think he'll go to Juventus is because 
I don't think he ever. I don't think he's really that good of a of a Serie A type of player. He doesn't have the physicality, and I definitely don't see him as a Premier League player. So he needs to definitely get. Okay, now let's look at the Bundesliga as guys who could potentially be leaving the Bundesliga teams. Uh, Musa Dibi, Dibi, don't know. I'm I'm sorry. If I'm mispronouncing all these names, it's tough to read them. From Bayern Leverkusen, he's 23, he's a winger, and he's valued at 60 million. Davey, I'm going to be honest. He, I'm gonna, the two teams I could see him going to are Chelsea and Arsenal. I think Chelsea and Arsenal are definitely the, the guys that I think could be it. And I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea pays the, the 60 million for him. Now let's talk about one of his teammates, Edmond Tapasobi. Oh yeah, Edmond. He's 23, he's a center back, and he's valued at 35 million. I'm going to go bold here. I think Bayern Munich could definitely be a team that looks at him and says, wow, this guy can play, because he can. He's one of the best center backs in the Prem. I mean, not the Prem, the Bundesliga. And you know who else I could see? I could see Sevilla. Looking at him, at Edmond, as that uh, replacement for Jules Conde. And I definitely think it's a interesting, interesting move, to say the least, if he goes to Sevilla to replace Jules Conde. Now let's talk about Thomas Munir from Borussia Dortmund. He's 30 years old, right back, valued at only 6.5 million. I would love for him to go to Real Madrid. I think he would help them a lot at right back to replace what Carvajal got. But I don't think he'll go to Real Madrid. I think Arsenal is a team to look out for. And I'm not going to lie. Here's the thing. I'm going to go bold here. I think Barca could steal him from any team. I think Barca and Thomas Munir could be a really, really interesting deal. I think it would be... Definitely interesting to say the least. And I really do like the possibility of that. Now, let's move on to France because there's a lot of play there's a couple of players that I want to talk about. Lucas Piqueta uh Piquete from Leon. He's obviously Portuguese, I believe, yes. So he's twenty-four, he's he's attacking midfielder and he's valued at twenty at uh, thirty-five million. Oh, he's Brazilian, sorry. I like I I think really West Ham are a team to look out for in this situation because West Ham need a good attacking midfielder. They they and I think that's what they I, I, that is what Lucas gives these guys. And I definitely like like the uh, the chance that we get of seeing him on this team and really seeing Maybe we see something crazy from him. That'd be interesting. Now, Hassam Anwar from Lyon, from Olympic Lyon, 24. He's midfielder and 25 million. I think Ajax is definitely looking at him. I wouldn't. Be, I think Ajax, Bayern Munich should definitely be looking at him, and I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund is also interested in him. He, because he's not a traditional midfielder. He can play so much. He's he really is that hybrid midfielder 
who I believe has the chance to be one of the best in the world. So I'm definitely very intrigued by him. And now let's talk about PSG and Paredes, Leonardo Paredes, the Paris Saint-Germain. Obviously, PSG's in turmoil. And when Armand comes back, we will be diving a lot deeper into the PSG saga and 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 everything. I think, look, valued at 17 million. He's 28. He's 28. He's a midfielder. I think, look, Juventus could be a good team to look out for for the Argentinian. I think Manchester United is the team that I would keep my eye on. And then I think also, I would think um, RB Leipzig would be a team that Paredes would be interested in going to. I think those are the teams that are definitely, um, definitely intrigued and interested in. So now I want to talk about, I want to finish off this segment here with Anthony from Ajax. Obviously, we talked about Man United's interest. He's valued at around 35 million. They want 100 million. He's obviously 22. He's a winger. I think he's going to go to Manchester United because I don't think there's any way in hell that they're going to turn down an offer of over $90 million. And I really do like um, what we're seeing from Anthony. I think he's such a great player. He's going to be really big for Brazil in the World Cup in Qatar in just a couple months. And I'm excited to see what happens with him. I think he's more than likely going to go to Manchester United. And I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. All right, so we've got a lot more stuff coming up. Obviously, still later on in the show, I'm, we're going to get into the Chet Holmgren situation. We're going to talk about legal actions taken against Tarion Prince. We are going to also be getting into um, a lot in the NBA with the Lakers trading THT for Pat Bev. We're going to talk about, we're going to analyze potential Knicks trades like we did earlier on the show. We're going to talk about, but later on, I'm also going to give you my 10 players to watch in college football for the 2022-2023 season. We're going to talk about KD. We're going to talk a lot more about a lot of different things. But for right now, we are going to do... We are going to continue on the soccer trend and on the soccer topics because yesterday was the Champions League group draw. And we now know who each team is going to play and who each each matchup and everything. And we are about, I believe, two weeks from the start of match day one. So I'm excited. So, uh... Yes, the matchups are set in the Champions League group stage. And now the draw is officially in the books. Here's what to expect ahead of the competition's big kickoff on September 6th. I'm going to analyze the group. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to analyze each group, tell you my predictions, and really dive into it. So let's just dive right into it to Group A. 
So Group A is Nap is Liverpool, Napoli, Ajax, and Rangers. So let's get into it. Following a poor return of two points from three matchups from the beginning of the Premier League title bird, this group. Here's the thing. Let's. I want to start with Liverpool. Liverpool has started off the Premier League season really bad. They haven't looked good. They looked. They're coming off an embarrassing loss to Manchester United last Monday. So I honestly think getting an easy group in the Champions League, because that's what they got this season, is what they need. But this group is no cakewalk, and here's why. You have Ajax. Look, I like... We, Ajax, like Liverpool, won all six of their group matches last year. But this team is under construction. Ten Hag left. Obviously, Ten Hag was there last year. He left for Man United. Uh, he also took defender Mar- uh, Lisandro Martinez with him. And look, he's pr- they're interested in taking Anthony. So I don't know how good Ajax is going to be heading into September. Because we don't know if Anthony's going to be there and... and uh, be there with the team. We don't know how good Ajax really can be. Because last season they had Anthony. They had Martinez. They had Ten Hag at the wheel. They they losing a lot of key pieces. So it's going to be interested, interesting to see what happens with Ajax. It's defi- I'm definitely excited. But I'm not going to lie. They have the team to maybe make an upset against Liverpool. Now, let's talk about Rangers. Here's the thing. I think they're... Rangers is an interesting team. Their first competitive meetings with Liverpool promised to be flary, but finishing above their foes south of the border and Ajax, against whom they've lost all four matches, might be a step too far for uh, Giovanni Van... for Giovanni's tactical expectations. Napoli also have... A good chance. Here's the thing. Now, let's... Napoli. Have a good chance of progressing after a strong Serie A start. So, it's definitely going to be interesting. This group's going to be very fun to watch. Now, my key question. Are Liverpool really in crisis? Like, that is my really... That's my key question here. The Reds have three matches against Birmingham. Uh, Their next matches are... Bournemouth... Newcastle United and Everton before the Champions League campaign begins. Johan Club that gives Johan Club an opportunity to improve morale with the injury list hopefully shrinking. Remember, they don't have Darwin Nunes right now. Thiago is still injured. So if they can be healthy and get wins under their belts like they can this weekend, next weekend, if they can start winning games in the Prem, I think that's a good good morale booster. My prediction is going to be Napoli and Ajax fighting until the final day for that coveted second spot. I think, here are my predictions. Liverpool first, Napoli second, Ajax third, Rangers fourth. I think Napoli will out... That's going to be a hell of a group. Let's talk about Group B. It's Atletico Madrid, Porto, Leverkusen, and Club Birch. So, I want to now get into this. With that, with the dodge defensive, with that dogged defensive defense, defensive Atletico Madrid, the most successful team this group has to offer in the modern era. 
There's a chance that 24 matches played between these sides won't draw too much, though. So let's get into it. Obviously, Club Burns aren't, aren't a lock for last place. Young attackers, they've got Os Oslone, Jota, and they've got really good guys, so they aren't a lock. Here's what I love about the Champions League. You never know what's going to happen. Like, Shakhtar beat Real Madrid last season. We then saw PSG lose to Real Madrid. We've seen crazy things. We've seen Bayern 8-2 against Barca. We've seen Barca come back against PSG all those years ago. So nothing is guaranteed and I love it. Now, a team that I really do like is Porto. FC Porto really just make up the numbers. The Portuguese powerhouses have competed in the knockout stages of the Champions League or Europa League in each time of the past 16 seasons. They have been in the knockout stages of either the Champions League or the Europa League every year for the last 16 years. Porto can also take encouragement from FC Bayern Leverkusen's results in Germany. Look, Leverkusen's in the same boat as Liverpool. Like, terrible results against DFP Pokal elimination to third tier. They... They they got eliminated um, from the third tier team in the in those cups. Leverkusen isn't going into this as the best team right now. Now my key question is: Will Atletico Madrid be more positive in their play? Like, can they actually be be really good? Can they? Because Atletico Madrid has always been a good team. But they've never been the great team. They've been able to be competitive in the league, in La Champions. They've been competitive in La Liga, La Champions. Pero they have not been able to take that next step. They haven't won a lot. They really, they've struggled. After winning the La Liga two seasons ago, they haven't done a lot. They, they, they didn't look good against Villarreal. I'm going to be honest. I watched that game. They didn't look good. My prediction is Bayern Leverkusen falls backwards into the Europa League despite impressive performances. Alright. My, my, I think Atletico's first, Porto second, Leverkusen third, and Burge fourth. Now, the group of death, group C. Pray for, I'm going to pray for, for Victoria Pleasant. Because obviously the group is Barca, Bayern, Inter, Victoria present. Let's get into it. Obviously the Czech men, they're playing the first group stage since 2018 where they thrown, they, they got thrown alongside Bayern, Inter and Barca. A trio with 14 titles between them for six lucrative yet terrifying features this fall. While the group is Obviously headlined. Here's the thing. This group is headlined by Lewandowski's, Lewandowski's reunion with his former employers. Barca could be forgiven for entering the scopes with Bayern Munich with some... Here's the thing. Barca have won only two of their last 13 European fixtures against Bayern Munich. Like, Bayern is one team that Barca 
has not been able to beat. Only two in the last 13. They lost 8-2. to two. At home, they... They also lost a 3-0 last season's group stage. You, Inter Milan is a hell of a good team. Barca is in trouble, man. Barca has pressure. Inter Milan broke a 10-season curse when they finally advanced to the round of 16 last year. Lukaku is now coming into that team. You've got Lautaro Martinez. You've got Lukaku. You've got Alexis Sanchez. You've got those guys on that team. And I don't know if Barca is really good enough to beat Inter or Bayern. It's a difficult situation. Bayern, I think here's the thing. Bayern continues to work wonders on the transfer market. I think we're going to see Bayern. I believe Bayern is going to be first, Barca second, Inter third, and then the others fourth. Now let's get into Group D. Here's thing, my Group D predictions, Tottenham, Sporting, Frankfurt, and Maricel. I'm now going to give you my each group predictions. Not, not going to go dive deep into because we've got a lot of things to cover. Milan, Chelsea, Zilsberg, and Zerberg. Group F, my Real Madrid's group. I think Real Madrid first... Gonna go bold here, and I'm gonna say Real Madrid first, Celtic second, Leipzig fourth, Shakhtar fifth. I mean, fourth, Leipzig third, Celtic. I, I, I'm excited. I think Celtic will actually be competitive in the group stage. Now Borussia Dortmund and City. That's gonna be a fun game. Haaland back in his home. I think. Look. Sevilla is in that group, but I don't think it matters. I think City, Dortmund, Sevilla, and then the others. PSG's group. They got the easiest group and last, but certainly not least. Obviously, they got Juve. But guess what? I think Hefa is going to be fourth. Juventus third. Benfica second. PSG first. That is my group predictions. For the Champions. I'm excited for the Champions League to start. I really am. It's going to be so fun to watch. I'm very excited for it, man. I am. It's like such a cool thing to watch. All right. That concludes our soccer topics. We are actually now going to do something we have not done in a while. Let's get into some football talks, some NFL college football talks. Obviously, I'm going to give you, still coming up on the show, Chet Holmgren, uh, Patrick Beverly's trade. We're going to react to Kevin Durant staying and a lot more. So make sure you stick around. You do not want to miss it. Let us get into it this, though. I have made a list of my top 10 players to watch in college football. In no particular order, these are the 10 players that I think everyone has to keep their eye on in college football. Bryce Young. You know Bryce Young was going to be on this list. Like, it's next to impossible not to begin this list with the with the Heisman Trophy winner. Bryce Young led the SEC with 4,872 passing yards to go along with 47 touchdowns. Expect more off 
platform throws and, pre- and precision passes as the Krisman uh, Tide embark on another quest for a national dominance. Let's be honest, we are going to dive more. As the coming weeks, we're going to dive deeper into the college football realm. We're going to give you my predictions in probably next episode or sometime later. But Bryce Young, man, incredible. He's definitely on that list. My next guy is Bajan Robbins, running back from Texans from Texas. He's one of the he's one of the nation's most exciting runners. He brings a, he literally brings a blend of power, speed and elus- and elusiveness. He racked up 1422 scrimmage yards. That's 1127 rushing yards, 295 receiving yards for 15 total touchdowns in 2021. Despite missing a pair of games, like he's he's only a junior, so he's still got a long way to go, man. Now, Brock bro, Brock Bowers, a tight end from Georgia, man, this guy. Although the reigning national champions lost several key members, even though they lost several key members to April's draft, these guys, the the Bulldogs, are going to return. Their most explosive offensive weapon. He he got he had fifty eight catches last season, where more than double the next leading Georgia. Back. He, he literally he had fifty six. That's more than double what the second best receiving uh, passer had. He had eight hundred eighty two receiving yards. So it's definitely interesting. Now another quarterback I have my eye on is Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is expected to be a keystone of Lincoln Riley's rebuild at USC after shooting up to stardom during his freshman year in Oklahoma. The sophomore quarterback threw for 1,912 yards, rushed for 435, and, account, and, and that accounts for 27 touchdowns in his collegiate debut. So he's heading, he had probably one of the most impressive freshman seasons I have ever seen. Caleb Williams is such a good quarterback. This kid is NFL bound. Now, let's show some love to the defense. Will Anderson, the linebacker from Alabama. I think he's going to be key. Considering he's considered among many to be the top prospect in next year's draft, Will Anderson Jr. returns to the Crenshaw Tide to continue his reign of terror. Here's the thing. He, he was an All-American pass rusher last year. He racked up and he led the nation in tackles with 31 of them. 31 tackles for losses. 17 and a half sacks. Like, he's incredible. All right, now another running back that I have my eye on is Trayvon Henderson from Ohio State. He wasted little time establishing himself. The former five-star running back rushed for 1,248 yards to go along with 27 receptions for 312 yards and 19 total touchdowns as a freshman. Like, man, we know what this guy is going to do. Now, let's get into the wide receiver range. I believe Kayshawn Bonnet from LSU is going to be incredible. He had a season-ending leg injury last season and playing and playing on a un He's like it's obviously an under 
It's an underwhelming LSU team this year. He still managed to lead the Tigers with 30, uh, 38 receptions for 408, for 408 yards and nine touchdowns. So I think he's definitely going to be one of the best players. Now, another player I have my eye on, and he's one of my favorite players to watch, and I'm excited to watch him. Dylan Gabriel from quarterback of Oklahoma. He had impressive numbers three seasons at UCF. He had 8,037 total passing yards, 70 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He had a brief pit stop at UCLA. He's set to take the realms of Oklahoma's offense. Like, it's impressive. Former UCF quarterback, former UCLA quarterback. Man's done it all. So, senior year should be definitely fun. Now, we're down to the final two. I know, Quick disclaimer, Arch Manning is not here on this list. I know he should be, but I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. I'm. I need to see it from the kid. Braylon Allen, running back, Wisconsin, one of the best players that I think everyone should keep their eye on. He is the next man up in a long tradition of great Wisconsin running backs. He broke out on the scene in 2021 as a freshman. He had injuries to more experienced players on the depth chart, despite only starting four games. He had 100-plus yards in eight games and finished with 1,268 rushing yards with 12 touchdowns and 6.8 yards per carry. Like, this man is insane. And now last, but certainly not least, Anthony Richardson's the quarterback of Florida. He's no longer find, finds himself splitting snaps under center this season. It should be a welcome change for the Gators signal caller. He's, he's, he's a textbook dual threat. Passer. He, if the pregame backflips and and he literally does. If if the backflips you see him do on TikTok aren't enough, man, this man is athletic. He can run. He has determination to carry the offense and should. This may be the most exciting player to wear number fifteen for Florida since y'all know who. He's because yeah, he's got pressure of number fifteen. So those are the ten players that. People should watch for in college football this season. All right, now let us continue with this football talk. And I'm going to start. Obviously, I've given you predictions for a lot of things. We're going to continue with the prediction trend. We are going to dive into the NFL season as we are just a couple of weeks away from the start. So I'm going to give you um, the predictions for the AFC, for the divisions, and I'm going to tell you what, how I think each team does. I am actually, here's the thing, I'm going to give you how each team does in their games, all right? Let's do this. So let's start with the AFC East. I think the AFC East... Finishes with Buffalo first, Miami tied for second with New England. But I think Miami second, New England third, and the Jets will be fourth. Let's get into Buffalo. I think they finish the season 12-5. and It's an 11.5 win total. I, we, like week one, I have... Here's the thing. I have them losing week one to the Rams. Week four to Baltimore is a loss. Week six, I think... 
uh, week um, like I think they're gonna lose to I think the losses that we're gonna see from this team are the Rams, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Bengals. I don't think I think those are the games they lose because I don't see them beating New England at New England. I don't think they're going to go in a cold night in New England. They're not going to beat them. You're not going to beat Cincinnati. You're not going to beat LA at home on the road. So, no. Let's talk about my Miami Dolphins. I have us going 9-8, and eight, finishing second in, the, uh, in our division. Because I think, look, we're going to beat the Patriots. We're going to beat the Ravens. We're going to lose to the Bills and the Bengals. So, that's 2-2. Two and two. We're going to beat the Jets, the Vikings, and the Seahawks. So we're five and two right there, but then we're gonna lose to the Lions, five and three, five and four. We're gonna lose to the Bears, and then we're gonna lose to the Browns. I I think it's gonna be tough. We're gonna beat the Texans, lose to the Niners, win, beat the Chargers, lose to the Bills, beat Green Bay on Christmas, lose to New England, beat the Jets. New England, I believe they're gonna go nine and eight as well. They're gonna lose to Miami. They're gonna lose to us first week one. They're gonna beat Pittsburgh. We're going to lose to Baltimore and Green Bay. We're going to lose to Minnesota. Lose to New York. Lose to Arizona, Vegas, and Buffalo. I think the Jets are going to go 5-12. and 12. The only times I see them winning are the Brown- at the Browns, New England, Detroit, and Jacksonville. Those are the only games I see them winning. So now let's get into the AFC North. Alright, so next up is the AFC North. So, I believe the Ravens are going to win the division. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. That's how it's going to go. Yes, I have Cleveland fourth in their division. Baltimore. I think Baltimore, is. they're going to go 11-6. and six. They're going to beat the Jets. They're going to lose to the Dolphins. Beat the Patriots, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and the Jets. Then they're going to lose to Cleveland. They're going to beat Tampa Bay. Lose to New Orleans. Beat Carolina. They're going to beat Jacksonville. Beat Denver. Beat Pittsburgh. Cleveland. They're going to lose to Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Beat Arizona. Beat Pittsburgh. Lose to Cincinnati. Now Cincinnati. I think they're going to go 10-7. and 10-7 is a good record for them. Going to beat Pittsburgh. They're not beating Dallas. Going to beat the Jets and the Dolphins. They're gonna beat the Ra- They're gonna lose to the Ravens and the Saints. Beat the Falcons, Browns, Panthers, and the Steelers. They're gonna lose to the Titans, the Chiefs. They're gonna beat the Browns. They're gonna beat Tampa Bay. I mean, no, they're gonna lose to Tampa Bay. Lose to New England. Beat Buffalo, and beat Baltimore. Now Cleveland. I have them being a disappointing six and eleven because look, you're not gonna have Deshaun Watson for eleven weeks. Like, so let's see. You're losing a Carolina. You're going to lose at New York. You're going to lose to the Steelers. You'll beat the Falcons. You'll lose to New England. You'll lose to the Chargers. Beat Baltimore. You'll lose to Cincinnati. Heading into your bye week. week one, two, three, four, five. Heading into week nine. You're going to be one, two, three, four, five, six. And two and six. Heading into your bye week. 
They're going to beat Miami, lose to Buffalo, lose to Tampa Bay, lose to Houston, lose to Cincinnati. They're going to beat Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington. But you're going to lose to Pittsburgh. Cleveland's not going to be good this season. I'm sorry, Cleveland fans. You're not going to be good. Pittsburgh is going to go 7-10. and Going to lose to the two opening games, Cincinnati and New England. Those are losses. Going to beat Cleveland and New York. Those are two wins. But then you're going to lose to Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Miami, and Philadelphia. So you're going to literally be stuck beating the Saints. Lose to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Colts. Beating the Falcons. Beating the Ravens. Going to lose to the Panthers. Vegas is going to win. You're going to win against Vegas. You're going to lose against Baltimore. And you're going to probably lose against uh, Cleveland. You're going to beat Cleveland. So now let's get into the AFC and AFC South. I think Indianapolis is going to win that division. Followed by Tennessee, Houston, and Jacksonville. Let's get into Houston. I think they're going to finish 5-12. and 12. They're only, I think they're going to... Have a, they have a tough schedule. The only wins I see in their schedule, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Washington, and Indianapolis. Indianapolis is going to win the division at 9-8. and eight. I think they have a tough schedule. Going to get... I think, look, you're not going to beat Jacksonville week two. You're not waiting, you're going to beat uh, Houston week one. You're not beating Jacksonville week two. You're not beating Kansas City week three. You're beating Tennessee barely. Week four, you're gonna lose week five to the Broncos. You're gonna beat Jacksonville in week six again. You're gonna lose to Tennessee week seven. Uh, week seven. You're going to uh, week eight. You're going to actually have a struggling struggle against beating Washington. Week nine, you're going to lose to New England. Week week ten, you're gonna to lose to the Raiders. Week eleven, you're gonna beat the Steelers. Week Week 12, I mean, no, week 11, you're going to beat the Eagles. 12, you're beating the Steelers. 13, you're going to beat the Cowboys. Week 14 is your bye week. 15, you're going to have Vikings win. Beat the chart. You're going to lose to the Chargers week 16. 17, you're going to win. And then you're going to close out the season with a loss. It's tough. I believe Jacksonville goes 5 and 12. Tennessee 9 and 8. Not, not crazy. So now, the crazy. And AFC West. Chiefs are going to win it. Denver, LA, and Vegas. Denver with Russell Wilson are going to go 11-6. and six. Big wins against Seattle, Houston, San Fran. But they're going to have some disappointing losses. They're going to lose to the Carolina Panthers. I think they lose both. They split the season series with the Chiefs. Kansas City is going to go 12-5. and five. You're going to look at big wins against... Arizona, Chargers, and Colts. You're going to lose to Tampa. I think the, disappointing lo- the big disappointing loss is going to be losing to the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to 9-8. and eight. And Chargers are 10-7 and seven team. That's how good this division is. NFC East divisions. Let's get into it. NFC East, I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to win. Philadelphia, then New York. Then Washington. So Dallas, you guys are going to go 10-7. and seven. I think you're going to beat the Bucks. Teams are not going to lose. You're going to lose to the Detroit Lions, Eagles, Rams, Packers, Vikings, Colts. And you're going to lose to Washington. Giants 6-11. I think that's a real reasonable record. 
Philadelphia nine and eight, and Washington six and eleven is a good record. NFC North, Packers. I think Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago. That's how it's gonna go. Green Bay is gonna. I think Chicago is gonna be disappointing six and eleven because let's be honest, Chicago hasn't done a lot. Detroit's gonna be seven and ten. Gonna see Green Bay at eleven and six, but they're not gonna be crazy good. Nine and eight for the Vikings. That's my record prediction. Let's now go into Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I think Tampa's gonna be one, New Orleans two, Carolina three, and Atlanta four. Carolina seven and ten. I see that happening. New Orleans nine and eight. They've got tough. They've got a, they've got the Minnesota Vikings in London. The end of season. After the bye week is t- easy. Viking, they have Falcons, Browns, Eagles, Panthers. Tampa Bay is 12-5. And, and then the Falcons are 3-14. and 14. They have diff- very difficult games. Start off the season. New Orleans at LA at Seattle. Cleveland at Tampa Bay. San Fran. Their first week is... Their first win might not come until October 30th when they have Carolina. Now let's finish things off with the West. NFC West, Rams, San Fran, Arizona, Seattle. I think Arizona goes goes eight and nine. They're gonna be it's gonna be a disappointing season. LA eleven and six, that's gonna be crazy. Air, San Francisco eleven and six as well. And I think Seattle five and twelve is not crazy. Now, I think if I have to make a crazy, I say Buffalo, Tampa Bay is the super, I'm going to call it right now, Buffalo, Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, Buffalo wins the Super Bowl. I'm calling it right now. So that is the NFL side of the story. We're going to cover a lot more, a lot more things are going to come. Now, let's get into the NBA news. All right. Let's kick things off with um, with something that broke. Like, something that broke last night. And that is Patrick Beverly is going to the Los Angeles Lakers. So, that is happening. So, I, my first initial thoughts when I heard Patrick Beverly, I believe it was Patrick Beverly for THT and a second round pick, I believe it was. I think Patrick Beverly is really good. This is a big, really smart move for the Lakers, I think. It gives you that incredible point guard, that better point guard. Let's be honest. He should start over Westbrook because he is better than Russell Westbrook. And I think he is going to start over Russell Westbrook. So I think he is going to be that very good defender. And now we're getting these reports that saying that Westbrook is like more likely to be off the Lakers roster after Beverly addition. 
I definitely th- I'm surprised that the trade didn't include Russell Westbrook. When I heard that the Lakers got Patrick Beverly, I thought Russell Westbrook was involved. So I think the Lakers are building a good team now. And look, like I said earlier, like I said when we started the show, I think the Lakers should be talking to Indiana for Turner and Heald. It's a very, very smart move for the Lakers to pick up Patrick Beverly. And it's definitely that smart move for Patrick Beverly to go to the Lakers. I think he makes them better. And it's big, man. It's a big, big, big thing. I'm in, I'm very intrigued. Alright, let's move on to some very, very, very sad, sad news. And that is that the Oklahoma City Thunder rookie Chet Holmgren is out with this out for the year with a foot injury. Chet Holmgren will miss the entire 2022-2023 campaign with a due to a injury. He, the number two overall pick in this year's draft, sustained the injury at the cross car. Crossover Pro-Am event in Seattle this past weekend. So, it's it's terrible. It's a very... I, I, I'm pissed, man. I wanted to see Chet Holmgren play. I, I, I was excited to see Chet play. And now to see him get injured sucks. But now this raises a question, and I'm actually going to pass this question off to you guys, the audience. You can DM us on Twitter. Uh, you can... Answer this on Twitter and Instagram or DM us. Should teams... What are your thoughts on teams regulating players from playing Pro-Am? Me personally, I think it's a little bit hypocritical if we're going to say they shouldn't play... They shouldn't be able to play these cross uh, these Pro-Ams and play in the park. Let's be honest. They're professional basketball players. Most of them, I promise you, have not played basketball outside. And I think it's hypocritical. It's a little bit hypocritical if we're telling these guys, yeah, we have to uh, improve our games in the offseason and things and things like that. And then also tell them you can't play basketball in the offseason. Like, let's be honest. I, it's very unfortunate what happened to Chet. But I think, man... There is no amount of training. Like, look, if he would have gotten injured guarding, I don't know, a a high school janitor who just plays basketball, then yes. But he was guarding LeBron James. He was guarding the greatest player of all time. I don't think there's a single thing that he could do with with the coaching staff in OKC or with the trainers... That will ever match the physical ability to be in a crowd like that in Seattle. I, I, it's, it's definitely, it's miss. It's, I really don't like it. Uh, I feel for the kid because it's like. He was such a good player. He's he has this long long career ahead of him. And I just wish it would have. Um, it just sucks to see this man. And yeah, that is the show, ladies and gentlemen. 
My name is Carlos Fierro. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back very soon with another episode. Peace out.